0: Welcome to episode 41 of the Galia Men podcast. Today we're going to be discussing a sensitive subject to a certain point. We want to give a brief disclaimer just right off the bat. We will be discussing sex in this. We realize this is uh, a, a difficult subject for some and some people, some parents watch this with their kids and they may say, you know what, we don't want to listen to that uh, at this point, maybe later. We're perfectly okay with that. We are targeting ages 15 to 25 and... We're just going to be fully transparent. Most 15 year olds, I think, are well aware at this point in, or they probably should be well aware of the birds and the bees, things like they that. They certainly uh, should be. If they, they not, certainly uh, should be at 15 years old, I think, or they'll be seeing it or learning it from other places. It's not just about sex. We're discussing marriage. We're discussing sex, and you know, today's culture doesn't really see a purpose for marriage, which is why I think we're seeing it less and less. the The divorce rate, or the I think the divorce rate's going down, and the age of divorce is going down as well. Uh, both you know the divorce rate going down sounds great except for the fact that just people aren't getting married yeah and so they're cohabitating things like that but sex has become the most important thing ever in the culture marriage not so much sex yes exactly marriage is on the way down sex is on the way up and and gender and sexuality and and sex in every single way seemingly and it's just weird but
1: it's tough i was just gonna say because the what is the purpose of marriage what is the purpose of sex that's what we're gonna be hitting with this episode If you asked your average high school class in the church, "What is give me a one paragraph? What is the purpose of marriage?" You know how many you know of those high schoolers would have their pen and their paper and just staring at it, like I don't know. If you ask, "What is the purpose of sex?" People don't know. Like this is this is something we don't talk about in the church. I can prove that. Yeah, because because you probably did that. (laughs) I well,
0: I have done a lot of premarital counseling, and that's those are two questions I always ask. What is the purpose of marriage? What's the purpose of sex? These stump probably ninety five percent of the people. People don't know. They just don't know. And we're talking; they're on the brink of getting married. They're they're three months away from tying the knot. They don't know what's the next step in our relationship. I, you know, we just love each other. We're supposed to do. Like yeah, yeah. I just wanted the big wedding. Like okay, that's not a purpose for marriage. Like that's a nice part of it, I suppose. I'm not into the big weddings and all that. But uh, I'm a guy, so I probably shouldn't be. But we want to break this up into two parts. We want to look at what is the purpose of marriage. What is the purpose of sex? And this is going to be part one of part two. In the next one, we're going to talk about, are we ready? Like, when do you know you're ready for the next step? When do you know you're ready for marriage and looking into things like that? But we wanted to establish first and foremost. What's the purpose? What's the purpose? Why are we even doing this? And so, Will, I want you to get us into part one of the outline, which is the purpose of marriage.
1: Well, yeah. So you think about the way the world currently views marriage. Like you said, marriages are going down. It's, it's It's certainly not viewed as sacred. I mean, people can, you know, obviously homosexuality. Has been legal for virtually all of my lifetime, yep. um, at least as long as I can remember. Um, you've got people who are marrying um, animals, people who are marrying sex robots, people who are marrying. There was an article a few years ago about somebody married their phone. Like, yep. marry yourself. People don't. The world doesn't view marriage as as sanctified at all. As as right. as you know, something that's important or valuable. And I was thinking about this because we were actually having me and some friends. Uh, my wife and I and some friends were talking about um, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Believe mm. it or not, you know, the big. <laughs> yep. Who knows, By the time this comes out, maybe they're broken up or something. Like uh, As and of recording, they are the biggest thing on everybody's social media timeline right now. Might
0: like, give her a brand new album, though, on the breakup. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. That that, that uh, breakup album would be really good. We were talking about how, you know, man, it's a great move for Travis Kelsey to date somebody who's worth $700 million and maybe marry her. And one of my friends made the point, like, for somebody like Taylor Swift, worldly, not a Christian, Why get married? Right. What's the point? Other than half of your money now goes to somebody who did it. That's exactly it. $350 million. So somebody in the world, somebody like her, somebody like Taylor Swift who, you know, I don't think claims any kind of religion or faith or anything like that. Why would you get married? What's the point? If if sex is not sacred, if it's not – I mean, just go have sex with people and don't worry about getting married. That's what a lot of people think. Like that's what a lot of people in the world, that's what they view relationships as is, sure, maybe you live together, maybe you – um, you know, our, our close partners or whatever, marriage isn't that big a deal to them. It, it only serves,
0: especially for somebody like Taylor Swift, as a downside. Does right. that make sense? Like, it's not viewed as important. That's exactly it. And why would it be? Uh, legitimately, I mean, if you stop and think about it right now, remove God from the idea of marriage, what purpose does it serve? Why not
1: just, yeah, date whoever you want? And right, date
0: whoever you want and, and be in a civil relationship, I suppose, a civil union, whatever you want to say, like... Okay, you can stay married, or not married, you can stay in the relationship for 10 years, but there's no, when you break up, inevitably, of course, everybody does, right? When you break up, instead of divorce, you don't have like the, hey, you get 50, I get 50, like... You just go your separate just ways. It goes the separate ways, and it's nice and clean, and of course, everybody wants to test drive the car, so they're all living together before, and they have no reason to, to do otherwise, because they don't know why, and it's not just fornication's wrong, we'll come to that part uh, a little bit later in the outline, but yeah, the world has no purpose for marriage, which again, as you bring up marrying the sex robot, marrying gay marriage. We fought so hard for marriage to be between a man and a woman, but I, I'm convinced most Christians had no idea why. Other than, well, God said so. Okay. Yes. Why did God say so? Why does it have to be between a man and a woman? There's a lot of things like that, that, um, I don't know. I just find it very fascinating that it hit me and, and I think it hit you. It's like, there really is no point for marriage not. for the world because it just makes everything messy. And the sad thing is, how many people have grown up watching their parents get divorced? Even 25, 26, 27 yep. years into marriage. They are in college before their parents go, I'm calling it quits. If that is what I'm seeing, why in the world would I want to get married? Because nothing is safe. 27 years into marriage, I could hate this person it, and get divorced. The other
1: thing that's such a bummer, and you can get into Genesis too as soon as we're done here. Um, Kids in the church grow up in the current media age. Marriage is very much looked down upon. It speaks to the point of why does the world need marriage? Marriage is looked down upon. Like it's it's you're limited, right? You're tied right. down. I'm not even just talking about the old ball and chain jokes. I'm talking about they look at all these celebrities. They look at all these shows and all the what the what music tells them and all the you know the the songs are about. Not a lot of them are about marriage and enjoying your spouse no it's kind of about freedom and dating a bunch of people and sowing your wild oats and all these things like marriage is not painted in a positive light so for kids that are watching a bunch of netflix shows and kids that are immersed in the world and media and the culture they're seeing kendall jenner date everybody you know that i don't even know the best way to put that like all the nba athletes you know like that she made her way around the nba like that's what young people look at and idolize like man what a life just get to date
0: whoever you want have sex they, with whoever you want. Oh yeah. They're
1: not looking at marriage, you right. know, a lot I shouldn't say, you know, a lot of young people in the church are not looking at marriage. They're looking at marriage the way the world does, not the way God's word does.
0: This is thus the need for this episode. Right, right. And this is why marriage and sex go hand in hand is because when we're talking about the purpose of marriage and the importance of marriage, yes, the sanctity of sex as well comes into this and making sure that, you know, monogamy is very very yeah. important. But to the world Why would monogamy be important? And even to those in the church that push it, and we're going to get into this, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but the idea that that sex is only for procreation, then would the Elon Musk approach not make more sense? If it was just about procreating and filling the earth, would it not make more sense, kind of in the Old Testament polygamy, to have as many wives as possible or as many partners as possible? And that's Elon Musk's idea is, I think he's got like eight or nine kids from four or five different women. I mean, his whole point is, I want smart people populating the earth. And so he handpicks him. Why he picked Amber Heard, I don't know. She's nuts. <laughs> I don't think she had one of his kids. Thank goodness. She's crazy. But, um, yeah, this is this is why this is important. So I wanted to come back around to Genesis 2. You already mentioned it. Yeah. Starting in verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. for in it, uh, For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That is a unbelievable passage.
1: Joe just, could speak
0: for the next six hours right now. I really, Just really on could. those verses. I preached for probably three months on um, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, not on the evidence side, but on the relational side of things. It's a fascinating part of the Bible because this is the pinnacle of God's creation. He gives man purpose. He gives man work. He gives man life. He gives man law. He gives man a relationship with himself. Man is completely set, except one thing. It's not good for man to be alone. Yep. What I find interesting here is god doesn't immediately create eve he says in 218 it's not good for a man to be alone he doesn't so, just create eve right there correct he brings all of the animals to adam for him to name why i my theory is he brings them to adam so adam could want eve it creates want in the man if adam if, if god goes adam you're lonely and you need this and he goes, okay i guess cool yeah no you get to see nobody is suitable and adam goes man i really want I don't have somebody. anybody i yeah. don't have anybody and god goes i got just a thing for you that creates a desire within Adam to have somebody that's like him that he can relate with, that he can talk with. He has a great relationship with God, no doubt. He's walking in the garden. You are not on God's level on any way. Therefore, there's nobody like you. Adam, you need somebody. And he creates the want in Adam and then gives him Eve. But what was Eve's whole purpose? What was Adam's purpose? We have to know both. What was Adam's purpose as, as a man? Take dominion. Yep. Rule over the earth, right? To cultivate the ground, to keep it. Tend to keep the garden, yep. So what was the purpose of woman? To help him in a his, help in his him. pursuit. A help meet in his pursuit. Marriage is the pinnacle of God's creation. This is the last thing that we kind of see created is Eve, and it's been said, like, the glory of man as he was the first created, the glory of woman was that man was incomplete without her. Both had glory, and the pinnacle was, was, you know, they were the pinnacle of God's creation. Marriage was the pinnacle of God's creation. But man had purpose. He had so much without woman, but he was still incomplete without her. Yeah. That speaks to something that is... So whole, so holy, so pure, so lovely, and the world doesn't grasp any of this because it's a covenant relationship between man, woman, and God. You remove God, then it's just this covenant between man and woman. Well, we'll just be best friends and live together. Like, based, what is the covenant that you're together based on, if not God?
1: That's what I was going to get at, because um, I mean, you just explained that incredibly well. As far as that's literally when marriage was founded. That that was the you know when god was saying this is what i want marriage to be like th- that was it like that was the the pinnacle of it nowadays I'm, i am curious like what answers have you gotten when you, when when you ask people what is the purpose of marriage cuz i think a lot of i mean a lot of people it's like man they really make me happy i enjoy hanging out with them so let's get married you know like let's let's live together let's take the next step let's like i i think a lot of people don't know i guess correct. is my point like what the purpose is for marriage as we talked about to start the episode what are the answers that people have given you cuz i'm sure a lot of people you talked about i have been in the church. Maybe not everybody, oh, yeah. but a oh, lot yeah. of them have.
0: I've heard a couple times it's the next step in our relationship. We just feel like this is what we're supposed to. Uh, God wants us to get married. It's wrong to have sex outside of marriage, which is true. That doesn't answer the question as yeah. to, okay, God wants you. Why does God want you to get married? They're still stumped. Uh, I've had the blank looks of like, I genuinely I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, exactly. And then I've had the, we feel like this is the relationship. Like this is a way to basically tell it in front of all our friends and family and in front of God that we're committed we're to committed one another, to which other, is, yeah. is probably the closest answer. I would say, I still think it misses the point of like, why did God create the union of marriage? And the whole point is man was created to rule the world and woman was created to help him in that pursuit. Yep, that, That's the key. And the man,
1: so, the man has the mission, the woman is to help on the mission. That's exactly
0: yep. it. And hers is to keep house, as Paul talks about, to really keep everything on the home front going while he goes out and slays the dragons and conquers everything. So what do you do with the, the households where the guy is the, the manny, right? Where he stays home with the kids and the woman goes out. In my opinion, it's a direct violation it of what subverts <laughs> the whole point of marriage. Yeah, it literally subverts it like man is given the purpose. Woman is to help him fulfill the purpose of taking dominion. So I think the the union created in marriage was essentially to basically, again, rule the world. And where do children come in? Well, procreation, be fruitful, multiply all of that is in there. Imagine if Adam rules the world for 50 years, maybe 900 years. Cool. He lives from 931, something like 930, maybe. Oh, I knew that. Oh, I, I know. There, at know one this. point, I knew this in this one. Of I think Jeopardy he was questions. 930. I was going to say, it's either 930 or 9... In the 930s. I know it's somewhere around 930. You keep talking. Give me your Bible. Yeah, I'm gonna go. love, Genesis, go Genesis 5, of course. There you go. So, you know, and you go ahead and turn to Ephesians 5 after you sure, find sure. that. Um, you can read that one. But... Yeah, I, I think, you know, Adam could live for 930 years. If there's nobody to carry on the vision, if there's nobody to, to carry on the work of taking. 930. 930. 930. All right, yep. all right. If Hold there's on. nobody to carry on the work of or, or the vision that Adam had the taking dominion, what's the point? Like, truly, what's the point? If you can basically take dominion for 50 years and then yeah. you die, okay, well, yeah. that seemed rather purposeless. Therefore, kids have so much meaning in marriage that if you can have kids, I think you should have kids, because it's all about, if you see marriages, my job is to take dominion of what God has placed me in front of, and my wife is going to help me in that pursuit. Why would you not want to pass that on for 500 years, it's generation legacy. after generation? Yeah. It's a legacy, and specifically as Christians, our job is to rule, take dominion for Christ, right? He's, he's, he rules over the world. We want to let people know that, basically. The legacy of being able to do that generation after generation, which we kind of see in the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, Marriage is so important. It also, and go ahead and get us into Ephesians 5, there's going to be something about the Godhead here.
1: Yeah, so Ephesians, Genesis 2, institution of marriage, basically the the best place to go for marriage. The other best place is here in Ephesians 5, yep. um, where Paul is laying down guidelines for the church and saying, you know, you don't walk the way the rest of the Gentiles walk. Instead, you do this now. You, you walk in this way. And he addresses different people, obviously. So 522, wise, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present her to or so that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Verse 31, he calls back to Genesis 2, and he says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. A direct quote of Genesis 2:24. Um And so, yeah, we'll we'll stop right there. But the other you know, place to go when talking about marriage there, get into what you were going to get into with the Godhead there.
0: So I think the marriage is... Well, first and foremost, it's to mirror Christ in the church. It's yeah. to mirror God and his people. We see this in Hosea all throughout the Old Testament. He uses marriage as kind of an allegory to um, God and his people. His, relationship, his relationship with his, his people. His relationship, right. right? And so Christ, and you think about Christ is taking dominion. All authority has been given to, in, in heaven and on earth, right? We as the spouse, as the church, are to help be the meet to that in, yeah. in helping him in the mission of taking over everything. But I think from the Godhead perspective, isn't it interesting that God creates man, woman, and kids, which mirrors, I think, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Like, there's the the triune, Trinity, trinitarian aspect to the family, and I think without the kids, you kind of miss a part of that, the same way yeah. that God created the perfect structure of, uh, you know, the court of three type of thing coming together. I think there's an element of that as well, and why God created the family, is it was to mirror the unity that you saw in the Godhead. They had perfect unity, and they said, we want to bring that down to earth, They created the family to be a part of perfect unity, and marriage is the foundation for that. It's what keeps everything together in a covenant bond and in a covenant unity that allows the world to basically go around.
1: There are so many broken marriages in the world. Um, Not actually in the world, in the church is what I meant to say. So many broken marriages in the church. I think this is why a lot of young people don't look at marriage as something to be desired. They look at it as... Yeah, no thanks. I don't really want to sign up for that. You know, maybe or maybe, you know, fifteen years down the road, which we'll get to in the next episode about being ready for it and prepared for it, they don't look at it in a positive light. Right. I wonder if more people truly understood as we're discussing here the purpose of marriage and oh man, like the what it goes back to in Genesis two, the the design that God set up to mirror the church. If if people truly understood that and understood that the way that they treat their spouse, the way that they view kids, the way that their kids see them as a husband and wife um, cooperating and, and living together and loving each other as, as a reflection of the church. If more people understood that, how many less broken marriages would we have? Right. How many, I mean, you, you hear stories about just, you know, marriages that you think are great on the outside and looking in. Yeah. Everything's great. They're in shambles. Yep. You know, maybe they end in divorce. Maybe they end in infidelity. Um, maybe they don't end at all, but it's just two people who are merely coexisting yeah, exactly. logistical marriages. If you brought up as you brought up before, just got to get the kids here, got to get the kids there, got to be at this place at this time, and no, nothing, nothing more to the marriage. I think if we understood exactly what you're talking about here, young people
0: today would have a lot better of a picture of marriage. That's right. One of the key verses I'm convinced in the entire Bible is Genesis 2:25 the man and his wife were naked and unashamed. Sounds like a weird one to have as the key. (laughs) It's so key because that was the last time in scripture where we get to see what heaven will be like. Hmm. Basically, we see it in Revelation. We see kind of calling ahead, but the naked and unashamed... Because right after that is the fall. Correct. Genesis 3, there's the fall. And and what's the first thing? We're naked. Now we're ashamed. The last time where God really created this perfect unity, this perfect intimacy where you're naked, you're unashamed, you're walking in the garden with him. What do you think heaven's going to be like? naked unashamed walking in the garden with God in my opinion and you go wow we're going to be naked in heaven look i'm not here i'm i'm not here to be a philosopher to be a theologian on what exactly it's going to be like the same principle that, of perfect intimacy yes. applies where do you think you get that on earth only in marriage only in marriage can you be naked and unashamed if you are fornicating with your you know with your girlfriend you're naked and ashamed because you know what you're doing is wrong you know that you are transver- transgressing god's law therefore yeah. there is no unashamed aspect when you're in a covenant relationship with someone the beauty of being and and you can attest to this i can attest this right like in our marriages when you truly love someone and you're willing to give up your life for that person the level of intimacy that you have is is as close to heaven as you can get and this rolls us into part number two here if you're ready for that go for it Um,
1: you had this on here too yeah 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 i do do
0: want to hit that real fast the implication is this and, and i'll say this because we're going to roll it into sex here and, and why the naked and ashamed is so important. What is the full purpose of marriage? And I wrote it down this way. I think there's four parts to this. For a man and a woman to come together in perfect intimate unity, to experience a taste of God's perfect love for us while working together to take dominion of what God has given them, so they can pass it to the future generations.
1: Joe, you don't have that memorized? What on earth, man? I know. You're sitting here I, having to read it? I know. That's, <laughs> I'm yeah. slacking. And I'm slacking big time.
0: I'm going to read it one more time. For a man and a woman to come together in perfect, intimate unity. So there's the first aspect. Correct. Number two, to experience a taste of God's perfect love for us, while, number three, working together to take dominion of what God has given them, so, number four, they can pass it to future generations. I like that. I think that in- yep. encompasses, I should say, or incorporates every part of marriage, the kids, the, the part with God and, and really like shining the light and showing others what the relationship between God and his church is, the intimacy, yeah. all of that. The implications of this means marriage isn't just two individuals coexisting. And you spoke to this very, very well just a second ago. How many times do we see it in the church where it is truly the the, the couple just, again, they are okay with one another. Maybe they sleep in opposite rooms. Maybe they sleep in the same room, but like they just coexist. They're basically friends. They're glorified friends. That you can't say that they have perfect intimacy with one another. That's another thing. That it's not for people who are filled with secrets. They have a bazillion things going on, and and oh, I forgot to tell you this. And yeah, I haven't. You know, I don't even know about my wife's history, and I don't know what happened to hers in her childhood. And yeah. and oh wow, he had this raging porn addiction, and all of these secrets. There's no intimacy in that there's no closeness, there's no perfect naked and unashamed. I, I can't remember if we've talked about this in a
1: previous episode. I don't think if we have, I apologize it'll be redundant but I I know there's a lot of guys that are that are our age or younger again 15 25 who can look around and visibly see the types of marriages you're talking about they don't really look like they enjoy being together. They don't smile at each other. They don't laugh at each other. They don't seem to enjoy sitting by each other. They, you know, like, and it's so sad to me. It's so frustrating to me, and this is a young person rant. I I understand. (laughs) It's so frustrating to me that we have congregations full of alleged Christians whose marriages look look as unappealing as imaginable. No yep. wonder kids would much rather just go and have sex no with everybody kidding. and not get married because they look at married people in the church and say, you look miserable. Why would I want any part of that? It's f- so frustrating and, and upsetting to me that marriage can be so amazing and so wonderful if if, to, if you'll just work at it and if you'll just, obviously as we're discussing, like know what it's all about. If you'll just, again, just try and work at it, people don't. They they just coexist. They just right. have the logistical marriages. They show up to church and they they are married. Yes, but people look at them and go, "Why would I want that? Right. Why would that be something I would ever want to strive for?" And yet we get so mad at young people when they go looking at looking other places to find their uh, relationship advice. I guess you might yep. say the, the what they want to do with with the opposite sex. They shouldn't. It's still wrong. Man, what do we in the church have to do a much better job of modeling marriages?
0: No kidding. No kidding. No kid's gonna want to look at that and go well, sign me up. And then when you start, to, when you actually sign up for it, and all you get is oh, the old ball and chain. You know, you just need to learn two phrases. I'm sorry, and yes, yes ma'am. Or, yes, dear, yeah. yes, dear. Like, why would I want a piece of that? Why would I want to subject myself to that? Unless you uh, understood, marriage is what you make
1: it. I'll say two things: if you're 20, if you're 25 and under, not married, please don't think that's what marriage is like. All right, it's not. Right. If you, if you're really you know lazy and you know, again, don't really understand this stuff. Yeah. Marriage can end up like that because you're not working at it, but it doesn't have to be like that. Don't look at the people in your congregation or wherever that look miserable and think that's what marriage is all about. It's not, you can attest, I can attest. It's incredible. It's the best. The other thing I would say, if you're 40 you know, if you're older than 25 and maybe we're describing these types of marriages and you're like, maybe maybe I'm in one of those right now, fix it. Do everything right. you can to right. go the other direction and put the work in your marriage. Again, kind of a little soapbox there, but continue on yeah. with, with your thought. My point is for
0: you young people watching, it doesn't have to be that way. That's right. It is Again, it is what you make it. If you want to work really hard on your marriage, if you want to read marriage books, if you want to... Make sure that your communication patterns are good. Work through your individual traumas that you're bringing into the relationship and all those things. We have more resources now than ever to make sure that you have a good relationship. So don't buy into the marriage has to stink. It doesn't. It can be what you want. Last thing I'll say, and this is kind of controversial before we move into the sex part of it, which is marriage is not for bums who are aimless in life. (laughs) on On the surface, you go, well, duh, yeah, you know. No. Can you say that again? I like that Marriage line. Marriage is not for bums who are aimless in <laughs> I life. I love that line. That's exactly right. It, it, it's not. Your job is to take dominion. That's why God created man is to rule. I don't think that's changed. I, I don't think it. was, Oh, that's just Adam. Yes. Yeah, so Moses and every other you know leader in the Bible, I guess, didn't have to abide by that. Man's job was to be the pinnacle of God's creation and to take dominion over what God created for him. Yep. That means you're the best you can be in every facet of life that God has put yep. you in charge of as a husband as a father as a worker maybe that's a, you know a, a um employee or employer within the in church, church yep. yeah whatever it may be you excel at that and if you're not ready to excel and all you want to do is is sit on the couch and play video games and and have your spouse kind of sit next to you and feed you potato chips <laughs> no that's not the purpose of marriage and if that is your marriage get out of that as fast as possible learn to be a man step up right and I don't I'm I'm going to say most of our listeners probably are not falling into it, so I'm probably speaking to the uh, the rest of YouTube that will never find this. <laughs> right. At the same time, man, make sure that you step up, and, and as your role in life is to take dominion, whether you have a woman or not, your role is to take dominion. Do not bring your wife, your spouse, into an aimless life. Yep where you're just ready to, again, eat potato chips and play video games. That's not what marriage is all about. We're gonna, you, you are abusing it if that's what you think it is. We're
1: going to get into a lot more of that in the next episode about, yeah. am I ready for marriage? Because newsflash, if you are living your life chasing the next dopamine hit, next Netflix binge, next what can I do that's fun, you're not ready for marriage. Right. like newsflash. That's exactly it. Um,
0: but this gets us into, and I'm going to we actually, got like five minutes left for <laughs> <right, we laughs> this, this the last part. <laughs> we better fight through this. And it's, it's sex. So, yes, people are, you know, again, disclaimer, we've already talked about it some— Get us into this point, Will, because I think the world, yet again, as we marriage, the world has a very different view than, than Christians do, obviously.
1: Yeah, so the world and, again, young people's view of it because of the media, because of music and movies and shows and all that, sex is equated with fun, mm-hmm. enjoyable pleasure. In the church, because we don't talk about it at all and it's, it's, it's taboo, it's you know, kind of hushed tones when you talk about it, yeah. it's, it's not viewed in that way. It's viewed basically strictly for for having kids, for procreation. It's viewed, it's viewed as a, um, again, kind of behind-closed-doors conversation. And so because of young people's curiosity, because it's something that, again, the way hormones are, they want to know about it, a lot of young people go to the world to, to find out more about it and to, I mean, goodness, the, world, the way the world paints it is appealing. The way the church paints it is not. Um, and so that would be the first thing that I would say is, again, for the world, it's fun. For the church, it's basically all about procreation. And we wonder why so many kids run towards and procreation, just in case there's somebody watching who doesn't know what that means. Having kids is what that right. means. When I was young, you know, I, you know, maybe didn't know what that word meant. Um, but the problem with the way the world views it and the way the world paints it is it's meaningless. Yep. Casual sex, have it with whoever, whenever, doesn't really matter.
0: Your virginity doesn't matter. Move
1: yeah. on to the next one. Yeah, you know, notches on your belt type of talk. It's not. It's not sacred. It's right. in any way, it's not valuable. It's just you throw it around. <laughs> You know, like, when I was growing up, I always thought, a you know, kissing somebody was a huge deal, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you have conversations with people. They're like, yeah, no, that wasn't a big deal at all. Sex is like that for some people. Obviously, yeah, sex is a huge way, deal. Yeah. For some people, not a big deal at all. It's like holding hands. It's oh, like yeah. kissing. Like, they just do it all the time. What what What's the, I guess, what's the issue with the way the church handles it? What, what can we improve about that? And then, obviously, the world messes it up in so many ways and perverts it and makes it something that is just anti-biblical. What's the balance here, I guess, mm. if you will?
0: The world talks about it. Yeah. First and foremost, the world talks about it, we don't. What's the best thing the church can do? We can start talking about it. God created it. God created the idea of sex. God created it, you know, having kids through sex, like that was his grand plan. Why should we shy away from something God created? Right. Like we took what was ours and we fumbled the football, and we, we let them go score a touchdown on us. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? This is yours. Like, why are we not leading the discussion in what sex ought to be? Yep. It's because it's taboo. I was talking with um, uh, President of Bear Valley, um, Denny Petrillo, Dr. Petrillo. And he's a great guy. I was talking to him about Song of Solomon. He actually wrote the commentary, the Truth for Today commentary on Song of Solomon. It was very interesting. And he said, you know, even in studying for that, I found this goes back Pre-Jesus, these guys were still squeamish to talk about sex. Yeah. Like the Jewish rabbis, they didn't want to talk about it either, so this is pretty much universal all the way through. Yeah, It's difficult for people to talk about except the world because they want to accept everything. And so, first things first, I think we in the church need to figure out a way to talk about it tastefully, tactfully, right, appropriately. It's not just about procreation. But it's not just about procreation yeah. because, as previously mentioned, what do you do with Song of Solomon? Where are kids mentioned in Song of Solomon? They're it talks not. about being a daughter, it talks about being a son. But where are kids? They're not mentioned. It's an entire book about sex. And if you think that's an allegorical book, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not It's uh, a check out. We will be having on focus plus just a preview. I will be uh, teaching song of Solomon. i taught it at Nashville school preaching and I'll be putting that on uh, after we finish our revelation study yep. for understudy. And we're going to go into this. It's not allegorical at all. The book is about beautiful sex. That's what God intended is for a man and a wife to have this blissful relationship and this intimate relationship. And I think sex is the pinnacle of intimacy. So what that means is, I think there's four domains of life. I've probably talked about it before. Physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. If you're looking on it kind of going down, I look at it. intimacy pyramid is what I call it. It's PIES, P-I-E-S, physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. Yep. If you want to have good sex, and this is what I get at with people coming to me for, for um, therapy, couples therapy, our sex life is terrible. I never talk about sex first thing. That's not the point. Your your sex life is terrible because one of the other three is really failing. And once you figure that out, the sex life will be fine. Nine times out of ten, they're secrets. They're spiritually on completely opposite ends. Uh, They don't talk about emotions with one another. Nothing. With this being the pinnacle of intimacy, if you can be aligned spiritually and you know one another's sins and you're praying for one another, helping each other, you know each other's emotions, you know each other's goals and dreams and, and struggles and everything else, you're intellectually good friends, you talk about books and movies and things like that that, that you're interested in. Sex is going to come easy. You can't have a really good sex life while you're lacking all those things. You can have quote-unquote fun, but it's going to be meaningless. It's never going to fulfill and you'll find yourself being aroused 24/7 because you're just searching for the dopamine hit and for somebody to love you. In a covenant committed relationship, sex is intended to be the gel and the glue that holds so much. It's it's the pinnacle of it. It's like it's the exaltation after a life lived openly and intimately and honestly and, and, and vulnerably and authentically with that person, you are then getting the physical benefits of a life lived intimately. Yeah, It's a beautiful thing. It's amazing when done in that context, and we cheapen it as much as possible. We allow the world to cheapen it and to stomp on something that is literally, in my opinion, I think it's as close to heaven on earth as we can get. Perfect bonded unity in this covenant relationship, I really think that's very much what heaven will be like. And people get really weird about it. Legitimately though, I I think that's God's, like he's giving us a taste of heaven on earth in beautiful, naked and unashamed intimacy.
1: But to our point, this is the type of stuff we've got to start talking about in in congregations. This is, I mean, I I don't have anything to add. Like Joe, you you explained that so well. And it's something that growing up, my, my parents, you know, had the talk and, you know, it was something that, I, I thankfully learned from them and not the internet. I know a lot of kids learn from the internet. Other than that, it it was not discussed a lot. Like right. it, it was pretty, right. it was still pretty taboo. I heard zero classes on it. I heard zero sermons on it. And listen, I'm not saying we need to get up and have a sermon where we're you know spelling out explicit or graphic details or anything sure. like that. But the stuff you're laying out, we need to know this stuff. We yep. need to know the purpose of it. And we're already like 30 plus minutes, and so we'll probably need to wrap here shortly. But One of the things that I wanted to say before we completely wrap up is as we head into the next week's episode about, am I ready for marriage? The reason we started with this episode is because if you don't understand the purpose for marriage, if you don't understand the purpose for sex and you think it's just to have fun, it's just for procreation, it's just, that's what a husband and wife does. Maybe you're, you're probably not ready. You probably need to do some further study, do some further reflection, do some further whatever because you have to understand the purpose of these things. You have to understand the purpose not as what well, not as the way the world paints it. Unfortunately, not as even the way a lot of the church paints it. Like yeah. we, you have to go deeper than that. And for young men looking at the world, marriage is not something that's appealing. Especially when you consider 70% of divorces right now are initiated by women. Yeah. Guys are looking at it going, why would I want any part of that? She can basically latch on to me and then I have to pay child support, you know, yeah. when when she leaves. Doesn't have to be like that. Understanding the purpose for these things, thus why we devoted this episode to it, is vital to understanding, am I ready for marriage? Do you know the purpose Do you, of marriage? Do you know the purpose of sex?
0: That's right. Anything else to add? I think that's fantastic. You, you, I
1: don't know if you had anything else you wanted to get into here. I mean, that's... that's. We had
0: implications. We kind of discussed it. Sex doesn't create intimacy. It just enhances it. Um, other thing, wait until marriage. Don't fornicate because you can't fully be intimate spiritually. Yeah, sure. that's an
1: important point.
0: Don't Don't fornicate. You can't fully be intimate when this person might leave you tomorrow yeah you'll never be in a covenant like until it matters um third thing i don't even have on here don't ever say the word divorce in your marriage do not ever ever mention divorce divorce cheapens everything we're talking about divorce takes it and this is why god hates divorces the covenant that god created in marriage is beautiful divorce cheapens it and takes it down to nothing if if divorce is on the table it might as well be a breakup because it's like this person might divorce me tomorrow they might leave and in no fault divorce which is actually getting overturned sometimes which is fantastic Recently, it's, it's looking like it's overturned in Nebraska and a couple other places. But no-fault divorce cheapens everything about it. Um, last thing I'd say, as far as it goes with sex, enjoy it as a blessing from God. Do not make it everything. We look at it, and we, you hear this as a young man. Have you had sex yet? Oh, you're still a virgin? Wow, that's that's crazy. <laughs> look, I was a virgin at 21 years old, and every one of my friends, hockey friends, had pretty much had it probably five years before I had. Yes, I was outcast. Yes, I was weird. I was not missing anything. This is not the the Magna Carta. This is not the, the Mona Lisa. Like the best thing. Look, it's for a very specific purpose. It is fantastic in a proper marriage covenant relationship. Right. Don't make it everything as though you're missing out on the best thing that you've ever had in your entire life. Pump the brakes on that. You'll all you'll enjoy it in time. Don't feel weird if you're a virgin at 25 years old. There's no reason to go cast away your virginity because some loser online thinks that you're, a, you know, a wimp because you haven't gone out. Who's and slept the real with everybody. loser? There, truly. Yeah. Who's the real loser? Um, so just wanted to make that that point. As yeah, that's well a before good wrap up. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, stay tuned for next week because we are going to be. I'm sure there's a lot of young guys going. You know, maybe you're maybe you're 17, 18, maybe you're 19, 20, 21. You're thinking in that way. I mean, again, we're you know you're a young man. You're thinking about girls. That's we've covered some episodes on girls you're probably asking that question. Am I ready for marriage? How do I know if I'm ready for marriage? I think it was so important as Joe's idea to start with this one because you got to understand the purpose of it before you can know if you're ready for yep. it. So unless you have anything else to add, we'll wrap right there. We'll be back next week talking about Are we? how do you know if you're ready for marriage? Am I ready for marriage? That'll be episode 42, but this has been episode 41 of the Godly Young Men podcast. Thank you for watching.